All right, well, my name is Ryan, and this is the first official episode of the Modern Night Podcast. And uh, we're doing it on something that's, that's near to my heart, but not only the heart of my guest, uh, which is uh, fatherhood. Um, this is my, uh, you, I can use your last name, you don't care? No, I don't care. Okay, cool. <laughs> so this is, my, this is my friend Adam Sear. Um, uh, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, Adam? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I am uh, a dad of three kids, ages 12, uh, 10, and 7. And I am a business owner. Uh, we make fiberglass parts. I'm involved in the church and try to be involved in the community whenever there's actually a community to be involved in, i.e. when there's no COVID. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. Pretty simple, simple life. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, when I asked you to pick a topic on something you feel is lacking in this modern day society or something that we've lost along the way, you picked fatherhood. Why? Because it is. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think if you look at all of the problems that are happening in society and all of the things that people don't think are problems, but all of the things that are, you know, hard, you could trace it back to um, an absent father. So, uh, like, I was watching, uh, like, a a couple of documentaries about people in prison, and most of them were either didn't have a dad or were abused by their dad, which is, you know, that's, I think that's a pretty popular statistic. Yeah. But I also think that if you look at people who are having trouble with their identity or people who are having trouble with their self-esteem or people who are having trouble with anything, um they don't trace it back to their relationship with their dad because society has normalized a father that will provide for you financially, but won't provide for you emotionally or mm-hmm. help shape who you are or challenge you or do all these things. The standard of father is, is very low. Yeah. So a lot of the times the issues of, of a lack of a father get swept under the rug because people will think that they had a great relationship with their dad when really their dad was emotionally distant because he just didn't know how most most men don't know how to to do that you have to um you have to be intentional about it Mm -hmm. and that's a word that i've just recently learned yeah is how to be intentional about the path that you're going to raise your kid on yeah and uh you know i thought i was doing a pretty good job i wasn't as intentional as i wanted to be but i knew the importance of um you know, being more than just basically a sugar daddy for your kids, yeah. like giving them a house and giving <laughs> them food and making them toe the line because you're providing all those things. Yeah. Um, but I think that's basically what you look at as an involved father is someone who would do that. They would provide, they would stick around, but they wouldn't intentionally father their kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you can trace a lot of things in society um, to that. Okay. And like uh, in the book, The Shack, one of the comments that the God the Father makes is, you know, why do you think that I manifest myself as a father? Because he's God doesn't have a sex. Yeah. You know, there's women and there's men yeah. that are both um, made in the image of God. Yeah. But throughout the Bible, he manifests himself as a father because that's the thing that 
people need the most. Yeah. The people, the thing that they're lacking the most is a father. Mm. And you can look all over the place. It's very, it's much more rare that a mom will abandon their kids than a man will abandon his kids. Like you could, you could have a, a a well-adjusted man that has a job and isn't a drain on society that has nothing to do with his kids. And that's much more normal than like, usually a woman who will abandon her kids is like not someone who like they have enough problems that they're not, that they're kind of a drain on society. You know what I mean? Like that they need institutional help or stuff like that. I don't know. It might be a stereotype, but I just know that there's a lot more mothers that have that maternal instinct that they will not abandon their kids. Whereas fathers will do that. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it seems like the evidence is that fathers will do that. They don't have as much of a paternal responsibility as women will grab that maternal responsibility and raise their kids which is great on them. Like it's not yeah. knocking moms at all, yeah. you know, but that's why I think that the father fatherhood is lacking mm-hmm. and because it's hard, <laughs> it's really hard to be a good dad. It's a I lot. Of, know. It's a lot of extra work. <laughs> it's like you come home from work after your day of working hard and then you have to work harder because it's, it's like emotional and helping people work through their issues instead mm-hmm. of just like, I'm a, I'm the boss at work. So it's like, okay, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. And people will listen because I'm the boss. Well, yeah. when you come home, you know, that way works when they're little kids. Yeah. But as you get older, you don't want them to just be people that have to get told what to do to, yeah. to make things work. You want them to be able to figure stuff out themselves. You want themselves. them to become powerful people. That's exactly right. They have to manage themselves, yeah. which is a lot more work for you because it's like, the answer is right here. Just take it. <laughs> but they, but you have to let them do that themselves. Mm. And that that is what I personally find very hard okay. to do. <laughs> so getting into some questions here. Um, so how important do you think a father, you kind of, I mean, you kind of touched on it a bit already, but how important do you think a father is in a boy's or a young man's life? Very. Very. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would think so. Like, I mean, we, yeah. If you don't have a father, people will look up to somebody. Yeah. Like they, ha- they have to. And like, if you don't have a father figure in your life to show you what a man is supposed to be like, how are you going to know? Mm. You're going to, figure that out on yourself or by yourself. And when you figure that out by yourself, you're going to look at the influences of people that a might not even know you mm-hmm. or B know you, but don't have your best interest at heart and don't even know that you're watching them. And you don't even know that you're watching them. Like you're going to look to something. Yeah. So you need to look to a good man to become a good, like great men make great men, but mm-hmm. you know, average men will make, you know, they won't make anything. You know, mm. like you have to, you have to have something to look at as an example. Everybody does. Even yeah. the most creative people in the world have had inspiration from somewhere to be creative. Yeah. And so that ties into my next question is, um, it, how does fatherhood in general relate to the identity of the son? Well, I think that the, the great thing about the kingdom of God mm. And about like being a, a dad too, like in the, in the natural being a dad yeah. is that you have a, you get to pass yourself on, yeah. not like a carbon copy of yourself, but the ideals and the values yeah. and all those things, you get to pass those on to your, your son yeah. in the natural and in the kingdom in the spiritual. But, but all those things that get passed on are a piece of you, but they, they manifest differently because everybody's an individual and it looks yeah. different. Yeah. 
So when you're looking at your identity, like I'm not trying to make my son become like me. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make him become committed because being committed is a core value of mine. So what commitment looks like to him mm -hmm. is different than what it looks like to me, yeah. but it's still part of his identity. So there's a, there's a healthy balance of teaching them what the core value is and then letting them figure out what that looks like without living vicariously through them and expecting mm -hmm. them to be exactly like you. And it's hard because you don't, a lot of the times you don't see that stuff until way in the future. Like, I'm not a dad, but what I've noticed in our society, like, with that is there's a lot of fathers that do live vicariously through their sons. I think they don't know how to do it any other way. Yeah. Because they, especially if they were successful or they like who they've become, mm -hmm. it's very easy to look at your kid, especially, like, my son's 12. Mm -hmm. Like, he screws up all the time. He's 12. Yeah. Like, he's a boy. Yeah. And what, especially when you get into this age... Like I was pretty good with it when he was younger because he's a kid yeah. and it was like, you know, someday you're going to want to do this and someday you're going to want to, you know, this is what honor looks like. And someday you're going to want to, that's going to be important to you to be honoring to people. Yeah. But now that he's getting to be 12, it's like, he's not, you know, not a boy, not a man, yeah. but somewhere in between. Yeah. And so I can expect all these things from him. Yeah. And the way that I can expect them from him is that I only know what, to me, this is what this looks like. Mm. And it looks like the way that I do it because it's an important foundation for me, but it has to become an important foundation for him to be able to do it his way. Other than that, I'm just making him do it my way, which isn't going to like, <laughs> if it works, it works, yeah. but it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's one thing that you don't want to have a, like, I don't want my son to just do the things that I, want him to think are important while I'm alive. When I'm dead, I want him to keep doing them mm -hmm. and he's not going to do them. It's not going to be sustaining yeah. if I do it, if I make him do th things the way that I think they should be done because that's the way that I think they should be done. There's some things that there's, you know, there's only certain ways that you can do certain things, but you have to let them have that realization on their own. That's what creating an identity is, is like, you're not, I'm not creating my identity so that you can just be like me. Mm -hmm. I'm creating your identity so that you can do the things that, that you can exhibit the things that I taught you your own way. Mm. So does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Okay. <laughs> so here's, um, Here's one that is a bit more spiritual, I guess. Yeah. You could say. So what is it like raising a son to essentially be a knight, in quotes, or an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven? So we're called to be set apart, right? Obviously, yep. this is a knight-themed podcast. So, you know, uh, knights were called to be set apart from the rest of society, just mm -hmm. like we as believers are called to be set, set apart. Um so what's that like raising your son to kind of be different than the world? It's very hard because it's a great balance between, okay, so I want to be set apart mm -hmm. because I have chosen to follow Jesus. Yeah. I didn't choose to follow Jesus until I was 22 years old. Yeah. Um, but I've chosen it. Yeah. You know, if it takes me to the grave because of it, I've chosen to do that. My kids haven't chosen to do that for themselves. 
they've been raised in it. Yeah. They see they see the difference between light and dark. Yeah. But, you know, in the Bible it says that men will always prefer the dark. Yeah. So it's hard. Like you can have a set apart family, and that's what I hear all the time, you know, like your family's so set apart and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it'll get to the point where it's a mirage unless they can choose it on their own. Yeah. So the only thing that I can do is exhibit what that looks like. One, two, pray. And then three, try not to destroy them to make them do what I want them to do. There comes a point where you have to trust that they're going to find God on their own. And the age that Warren's at right now is where that's starting to happen because he won't be set. he, He has to set himself apart. Yeah. I can't set him apart. Yeah. And when you're, as kids get old, like when, when kids are born, like they're, they're, they're nothing like they're, they're, they're like blank slates, right? Yeah. They've just got all your genetic faults and your genetic, you know, yeah. successes yeah. all in them, but they're, they're essentially blank slates. Yeah. So, you know, we were heavily, heavily involved in the church for like 12 years, um, like plowing and doing all this stuff. And our kids are right there with us. Yeah. And now, well, with COVID, we have, haven't been able to do that. Yeah. So now it's, it's, it's believing that all that foundational work that we did in them was, is going to manifest. And, you know, it might look like that, that they turn away for a little bit to figure it out. But mm-hmm. you have to trust that by you living for Jesus, because I've chosen to be set apart, then hopefully, you know, yeah. the, the, the dream is that they're all going to choose that too. Yeah. Chris Valentin said that like most men, I don't know if he just said men or if it's, it's kids will become what the most important person in their life thinks they should become. Mm. And you like, I know I'm the most important man in my son's life. Yeah. Like it's not a secret. Yeah. Like it's I've not heard like, I don't, yeah, I don't have to, <laughs> But even, you know, in the next couple of years, that might change. Mm. But I still have to believe that I am. Yeah. As messy as that might look like sometimes. Um, because that's the position that God's given me in his life. Mm-hmm. So, and like, I'm not saying that every father deserves to be the most important person in their life. Mm. But inherently, like, spiritually, that dynamic is is definitely there. And I think naturally, too. I just think there's something about your own father um, having influence over you, yeah. whether it's positive or negative, whether they're absent or not. Like why else would people want to seek out their parents if they were adopted and stuff like that? You yeah. know, like you, there's something inside of you that wants to yeah. know, Yeah. you know, for better, or for worse, they, they care about that influence that their father yeah. has with it. I think it's a birthright, yeah. which is again, why fatherhood is so important because it's a heavy mantle that you carry. Like with me and my dad, like, I've known, I've noticed that even when I was really little, like there were times when I have to ask him to like, he, he's not very involved in church at all. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, you know, I mean, nothing against him, but like, I mean, I've had times where like, even when I was a boy, I had to like ask him to like verbally release me to do things, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, I felt like I needed my father to release me to do, Yep. you know, and like that has a lot of weight even spiritually even though he doesn't necessarily plow 
a lot spiritually in our house, you mm-hmm. know? So, I mean, once again, I'm not trying to bash my dad by saying yeah, that. Yeah, for right? sure. But, you know, like... I think you have just... to look at your dad um, from an objective point of view when you get to be an adult. Yeah. Every father will fail their kid. Oh, yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Like, even John Tyson, like, super dad, man. Yeah. Like, he'll fail his son in, yeah. in ways. And yeah. that's okay, because yeah. you're not Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> my dad's the same way. He's not a... He's not a, a plower spiritually. Yeah. Like, my spiritual dad is, is Scott. Yeah. Um, but I work with my dad, and I'm business partners with my dad. And my dad is a dad. Yeah. Like, where I don't have a... I have a great relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. But my spiritual father is Scott, for sure. Mm. So if I have spiritual problems, I yeah. will talk to... I will... I Like, I will meet with... I used to. Now, with COVID, kind of threw it all up. But I'd meet yeah. with Scott every... Um, every other week for years and years and years. And we just talk about all the stuff that's going on. And mm. like, so it's, so in a way, like I've got two fathers. Yeah. I've got a father that I can go to for spiritual stuff. Yeah. And then I've got my dad who I can go to for, you know, practical stuff. Yeah. Like I can go to him for, for whatever. Yeah. It's not that the spiritual stuff is totally shut off from, yeah. from my dad. Like we talk about spiritual stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Scott is just, my spiritual father. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is important to, you know, to know for people that if your dad is not a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. which is, it's very rare that dads are spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got to seek one out yeah, for sure. Even if it's a woman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like not that it had, like you can, I can be fathered by pastor Kathy yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's not just limited to, mm-hmm. I actually, before I got married is when I just like learned about mentorship and wanted to be mentored. And I actually asked pastor Kathy to mentor me. And she's like, no, I'll go talk to Scott. <laughs> she didn't say it like that, <laughs> but she said, you were, I heard you're interested in a mentor. You're going to want to talk to Scott, Scott yeah. Crawford. Yeah. And at first I was like, Oh man, I want to be mentored by the, the pastor. You know, pastor yeah, Kathy's yeah. like a giant, Yeah. but, uh, it, you know, the giant that she is, she knew it was great. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I got no complaints about, about, the relationship that I have with Scott. Yeah. Yeah. He's helped steer me away from a lot of dumb decisions. Cause he was a, he's a, cause he was a guy who's 10 years ahead of me raising kids, yeah. buying houses, doing all the stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. And he's made some colossal mistakes that mm-hmm. he steered me away from yeah. that. I'm glad I didn't have to go through. So that that's like invaluable information yeah. that you can have. So what talk- were we talking about? So no, it's okay. You got her. It's all good. Um, so talking about that, uh, you're talking about like, be, you know, having a spiritual father and, and, you know, your natural dad, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so for you with your son, what types of qualities are you trying to cultivate or hone in his life right now? Right now? I think that, I don't think they change for me. I think Mm -hmm. it changes the level that you do. Okay. So for now, I'm really want to teach him how to honor. Mm-hmm. I want to teach him commitment. Yeah. I want to teach him responsibility. Um, basically because he's a 12 year old boy, I'm teaching him that he needs to do things, whether he likes to do them or not, yeah. because they need to be done. And that's what men do. Yeah. Um, and they do it with a good attitude. You Boys know? love comfort. Men accept a challenge. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Embrace John, challenge. John Tyson. 
That's I where I heard I that know. from. Is that where you heard? I don't know if you made know it up, but that's from, that. But... You sent me that podcast, and that yeah. was on it. Oh yeah. Oh um, really? Yeah. Okay. Children embrace ease, and men embrace yeah, difficulty. There, yeah, there it yeah. is. And, and which is true. Like there just comes a point where it's like you know, like last night, Crystal's sick. Yeah. And like she's on the couch, and the kitchen was a mess. Cause I went out, I was actually able to go out and go grocery shopping and pick mm-hmm. up some work clothes and, you know, do some stuff that I wanted to do that I couldn't do because we were on COVID isolation. Yeah. And I came home, the kitchen was a mess. And I was like, okay, buddy, like, look at that. How, you know, mom, mom's not going to clean that up. Who's yeah. going to clean that up? And so then, you know, oh yeah. Okay. They mm. both, I, I got them all to do it, but it, but it's just realizing that if there's a job to be done and you see that it's got to be done, do it. If there's a need fulfilled. Yeah. Cause it's honor. Yeah. Um, by the way, we're socially distanced right now. Yeah. Yeah. Tell the, tell all the listeners. <laughs> we're all good. Yeah. Um, so it's just practical stuff like that. Like don't just live inside yourself all day, come mm. outside of yourself and look at what needs to be done. Yeah. Look at the people around you. How can you pour into them? Um, there is a, I can't remember the book that we did. It was years ago now, but it was by Eric Ludy. And it was about man, like being a man. Mm. And uh, the t- he boiled it down to two things, protect and serve. And I think that those are the, the main things that you have to get. Like if every man grew up with the practicing protection and service, I think that that'd be great. Mm. But obviously, you know, what types of qualities do you want to cultivate? Like you want to look at Jesus qualities and yeah. and you know, emulate those. Yeah. Which again, looks different than when, yeah. when Jesus did it, because like there was, there wasn't even, geez, there's hardly even wheels then, you know, <laughs> let, let alone yeah. all the stuff that we've got now. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. it just look, it looks a lot different. Yeah. And that's, I think the, when I was saying that you want, you want these qualities to be manifest in your sons, but they have to look a different way than what it looked like in yeah. you. Jesus was the master at that. Like yeah. Jesus did all like, if you look at like, you know, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, like all these things that, that he says, he doesn't say, this is how you do it. He says, this is what it is. Mm. So it's like, well, what's patience look like for you? You know, yeah. it looks different for you than it does for me Yeah. because yeah. there's things that are going to make you mad a lot quicker than they're going to make me mad. Yeah. So I can't, I can't, but the, but the patience is the same. It just yeah. looks different between me and you. It's going to look different between me and Warren. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is like you want those those jesus qualities to shine through but you also have to have them you have to let them learn how to make that important enough in their life that they're going to choose that over and over again Mm. and how the heck do you do that man (laughs) i don't know (laughs) love (laughs) you love them into it i don't know side note i like those boots yeah yeah i do mark's work warehouse really those are sweet they were like they're like 130 bucks. Nice. I got them. Uh, Are they suede? Yep. They look like, yeah, I could tell. Yeah. Yep. That's a leathersmith inside me. Yep. They, uh, <laughs> I liked them too. I picked them out. They were my, my in-laws just gave us money and said, pick out a present for everybody. So no, I picked them out and got them and I like them too. They're sweet. Yeah. Chelsea boots are coming back, man. They used to be like a really old, like, like Chelsea boots. It is kind of, a, this is like a total side note from our podcast, but that's okay. Like Chelsea boots, they're they're also known as quarter <laughs> Wellingtons. Here's a history nerd coming out of me. Okay, yep. be ready. So, in I realized that Chelsea boots are really old because back in the 18, 1860 
18, mid-1860s, there's a Canadian regiment, uh, not a regiment, a Canadian, yeah, it was a regiment. Uh, it was called the uh, Mounted Infantry School Corps. And actually their dress boot was actually black Chelsea boots. Oh, yeah. So they're like super old. Nice. But like, it's really neat how they're like, coming back and like being like really fashionable. And... I just like how you don't have to tie the laces. Yeah, they're super com- They're super easy and comfortable. They are, yeah. yeah. They're, they're really nice. I love mine. Not wearing them now, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I bought a pair of work boots and a pair of boots, and they both are slip-ons to make things a lot easier. Oh, yeah. I don't have time to tie laces anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that I'm too busy a, being a dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you it's a lot of work. Oh man. So uh the going back to the podcast, original topic here, I have two questions in one. One thing I've this is really cool. So one thing I've witnessed while being around your home about the time your kids go to bed is that you bless and pray over each of them. Or, sorry, I got papers here. My hands are cold. Individually before they go up to bed. As a father yourself, do you think that it's important for all fathers to speak blessings out loud over their children? Yes, I do. I think that if you believe, like talking to Christian fathers, I'm not saying that it's limited to Christian fathers because God gave power over the mouth, like it rains on the just and the unjust. Yes. Like I think that words have power regardless. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you want to move mountains in the kingdom, you got to speak them. You can't just thank them. Plus, your kids are going to know that you're intentionally doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, I think it's very important to speak. I think that you got to, and we're in the decade of the mouth, especially now. Yes. Mind you, I've been doing it for a long time, but yeah. but yeah, you have to speak stuff. Like if you're praying for, like there was never an instance in the Bible where it showed somebody praying in their mind and yeah. people were healed. Yeah. You've got to speak it into the atmosphere. Yeah. And again, if I believe that, Jesus is who he says he is and that the spiritual realm works a certain way. Yeah. I'm going to do it mm-hmm. as simple as it is. That's where it's like, do I believe it or do I not? And I must believe it because I'm doing it. I can't think of a time except for when I've been away mm-hmm. that I haven't prayed out loud over my kids before they went to bed. Yeah. And I got is the question. What started you doing that? I don't know what started me doing that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to ask that. No, that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how it started, but I remember... Do you know Dean Bai? No. Okay. he's a, They used to have a school, which is how like Daryl came here and oh, yeah. a bunch okay. of people came here to go to this school. Yeah. Like, they, they're over in Israel now. Like they, yeah. they have a training base and they train people on how to... Um, like they want to get the Jews back to Israel. Yeah. Like it's very, very messianic good. kind of Aliyah. Kind yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. Ali, yeah. Yeah. They, they've Aliyah. helped. Yeah. They've helped hundreds at least of yeah. Jews make Aliyah. Wow. Um, but anyways, he would like, they were heavily involved in our church because they had a training base in Centralia and he'd yeah. speak every now and then. And one of the things that he said was that that's what he did with his son, Trevor by, which I don't know if you know him. No, no. Okay. I don't know any of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> He, sp- he spoke blessings over him every single night. Mm. And I had already started doing it. Mm. Um, like my, well, I guess my parents prayed with me every night. Mm. Like we were Catholics, so we'd say a Hail Mary yeah, or okay. uh, Our Father it was every very night, biblical, right? every night before we went to bed. And we weren't yeah. even like practicing Christians. We were crappily practicing cra- Catholics. <laughs> like we weren't very good at going to church every yeah. Sunday or anything like that. And we mm. did our own thing and we weren't really following Jesus. We didn't know. Yeah. But that, I guess they, they prayed with me every night. 
Okay. Um, when I was a kid, I just remember that now because you gave me these questions and I was like, geez, I don't even know how I started doing that. But I think that it's just something that I grabbed from when I was a kid. Oh, wow. I've always prayed before I went to bed every single night of my life that I can remember. Mm-hmm. I would pray. Um, yeah. I would pray. I remember I prayed the same prayer every night for mm-hmm. like years and years. Yeah. And it was basically just that all the things that I was scared of wouldn't be real. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you know, vampires and ghosts and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Every single night. And hey, they're not. So yeah. prayer works. <laughs> so have your kids ever like, have you ever been away and your kids have ever like called you and be like, hey, dad, can you like before they go to bed? Have they ever done that? Is that like a thing? Or um, Whenever I've gone away, whenever Crystal and I have gone away yeah. together, um, it's always been like far away. Yeah. So they were unable to do that. Okay. Um. But I don't know, like whenever we would, like we left to go to Honduras when Warren was four and Quinn was not even two. Yeah. And so I don't think they would have known to do anything at that point. Um, Then when we left and we went on a cruise in 2018, you know, Warren was nine, Quinn was seven, Lucy was uh, three, three or four. And they stayed with my mom and dad mm-hmm. and they stayed with Nikki and Casey yeah. and they stayed with Bruce and Judy. So I can't, I don't know whether they would have, they know the power of prayer because yeah. if there's ever an issue, like, you know, I think a lot of the times they just are trying to get out of going to bed, but they'll be like, Oh, my belly hurts or Oh, I'm scared. And, uh, you know, some, you can tell when they're really scared, yeah. Yeah. but I think a lot of the time they're just trying to yeah. squeeze a couple extra minutes. Um, <laughs> So we just pray. Okay, let's pray. Yeah. You know, it's just like Jesus. I pray that there would be no fear because your love casts out all fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, go to bed. We prayed. You're, you know, yeah. Walk it out now. Yeah. <laughs> walk it out. Back up to bed. Walk it out. So they know, like, and yeah. and I'll ask them now, like with Warren. You know, well, can we pray? Yeah, let's pray. You know, mm-hmm. so, so again, it's it's those seeds that we planted for years when they were kids and that being involved in the church totally helped that because you're so focused on plowing and yeah and all that stuff that the natural outflow of it is like when you're saturated in stuff in in cultures where like prayer is you know you know pastor kathy puts an emphasis on prayer yeah rightfully so yeah you know that kind of stuff spills over yeah into them so and now it's it's with warren it's at the point where it's like if he tells me that he's scared i'm like well pray Mm-hmm. like you pray like I'll yeah. still bless him before he goes to bed yeah. every night but if you have issues now it's getting He's, to be the point where you have to seek God for yourself he has to know his authority and his his that's right it's know. like you can't just keep coming to me because I'm gonna throw it back on you yeah hey Luce we're doing a recording babe so you've got to give us some time hi <laughs> <laughs> do you awesome show me when I'm done yeah um so yeah no i really i really like like the whole prayer before bed thing and and something that i've been doing well i've been trying and i've been failing i'll be honest is i've been trying to become more disciplined in my weekly schedule Mm-hmm. I've totally bombed it. I've, I've done it here and there, but it's a progress, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, a process, sorry. And um, like for me, 
um, like I have this these this thing that I've written out that I pray when I wake up and before I go to bed. Oh yeah, you know, and I've been trying to implement that in my life, like you know, knowing my authority and my voice, you know. Yep. And and, and kind of cultivating that within myself of like this is who I am, like speaking over my identity and speaking over my. Yeah, it's a really know, good way to know what your core values are. Yeah. Because that'll come out and what those things are. Yeah. What I need to reaffirm every day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that's yeah, that's good i mean yeah i think that's great a lot of people would <laughs> remember remember uh you know a lot of people would call that religious because you write it out and do it every day yeah but i would just call it disciplined yeah you know <laughs> yeah so here's just a, another there's a whole bunch of questions but we'll just i'll just ask them anyway um what's some advice you would give to men raising sons or mentoring boys uh, walk in integrity walk first in integrity. and foremost, you have to be the example that you want people to see. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to learn more by watching you than they're going to learn by what you tell them. Mm. Um, the power, your words are going to have power, but I think that the more pure that you walk and the more integrity that you walk in, the more power and influence that you're going to have in someone's life. Mm. And I think that is a hard thing for men to do. Um, because gosh, we're really selfish. <laughs> like we just want to do stuff that we <laughs> yeah. want to do. Yeah. And, uh, I think you gotta, I think you gotta put aside those, put aside stuff to walk in integrity to, mm-hmm. to be able to raise anybody. You want to like, extrapolate in the Bible? Or? It says, "Don't like don't become leaders." Mm. Like it says, "Don't do it." Really, don't become teachers and mm. don't become leaders because the standard of your life goes from like zero to ten. Yeah, and that's before God, and God will hold you accountable for that. Ooh. Yeah. So, how yeah. much more as a father, yeah. as a teacher and a leader, yeah, should you walk in integrity? Like, if you look at the requirements to be like a leader in the church or an elder or anything, like they look at how your family operates. They don't just look at you. Mm. They look at how are these people that you're leading? What are they like? Yeah. Like that, like if you look at the church now, like how many people would be able to be like elders in a church because their family is all, you know, following Jesus and involved in the church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like, I don't even know if it's the outward thing, but it's like how you're treating them and how you're the example that you're setting. So yeah, the advice is you have to live in a way that is worthy of people following you. Integrity. When people aren't looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like not just when they're around mm-hmm. because you're going to carry an anointing and that anointing is going to either, well, well, the measure of the anointing that you have is what you're going to do when nobody's yeah. around. Like for me, all of the prayer, like praying before go to bed and stuff. Like I said, I did that every day of my life. Mm-hmm. So it's just naturally that I'm going to teach my kids how to do it. Yeah. I didn't even think of, I didn't even consciously think about doing that. I just yeah. did it. So if you're focusing on your own integrity before the Lord, mm-hmm. then the natural outflow of that is that you're going to raise people that, that do that. Now the mm-hmm. hard part as I'm finding as time goes on is to not get weary in doing it because it's it's a long haul i've gained a lot more respect not that i didn't respect them before but i've gained a different kind of respect for the the 
builders that we have at our church, like yeah. the 60 and 70 year old guys that are still living the same way that they lived when they first started following Jesus for yeah. like 30 years, because honestly, it's very hard to, to not get weary and yeah. in well-doing and they've been able to do it for a long time. Mm. So it's nice. I got to hang out with them more. Yeah. <laughs> they just keep your perspective on the goal. Mm. But that's the biggest thing for me is integrity. Yeah. For sure. I, I think you have to do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Or else like Christianity has such an ability to like, you can walk in such power with your words and say, like you can have two people say the same thing and somebody who's not practicing it is going to sound like a stereotypical Christian mm. that is like, sounds stupid. Like they just sound dumb because they're just regurgitating scripture that has no power in their life mm. and they don't really know what it means, but they, they just say it all the time. Or you can have somebody that walks in integrity, practices what they say. And that word, like that word won't return void. Like it'll actually do what it's accomplished in doing. And the difference is, is how you're living it out. Mm -hmm. And most Christians, like we get a bad rap because most Christians don't live it out. They just regurgitate it because yeah. that's what their spiritual fathers did to them. Like you've got people that come to you with like serious problems. Like I had somebody call me once because they were, they, ate an edible or smoked marijuana or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and they were, they, they looked at their face in the mirror and they saw demons. Well, you've have people calling you that I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell them like an empty scripture. I'm going to yeah. tell them stuff that worked for me. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to tell them stuff that works because I don't want to be just like, you know, well, Jesus says that God so loved the world that anyone who, you know, that yeah. he gave his only son, have a good night. You know, like yeah. I want to actually help them yeah. and actually help them, you know, yeah. not just regurgitate some Christian, um, Christianese to them. Even if it's like, I'm not saying the word of God won't do it anyways, because yeah. it, it can, because the word, but that's a testament to the power of the word of God. But mm -hmm. I think that a word spoken in season is much better to help somebody mm. than you just saying words that you heard. Yeah. And integrity is the bridge between those two things. Hmm. To me, anyway. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. There's more than one way to, yeah. to follow Jesus. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> there's only one God, but there are a lot of different ways that it looks like to follow him. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's say there's a young man out there listening to this podcast. Could be the boy could be a young adult, whatever, um, who wants to be discipled or poured into by a father, but forever, for whatever reason, his own father isn't around, whether it be physically, emotionally, spiritually, etc. What kind of advice would you give to this young man seeking guidance? I would say look for someone who is real mm. and who understands what it means to disciple people and seek them out mm. you seek them out i've yeah. mentored people before that wanted to be mentored or discipled and i we would never get together unless i um initiated it mm. and something didn't hit me right about that it didn't last for one yeah and two if you're hungry enough to do that 
and you want and you want my time that I'm willing to give, you got to show me that you're hungry for it. Mm-hmm. And then do whatever they say. <laughs> That's yeah. also another thing. Don't seek out guidance if you are unwilling. Like the reason why you're seeking it out is because you want to change. Mm-hmm. You want to grow. You you don't have the answers. Yeah. So whenever you're told to do something, whether you understand the wisdom in your limited understanding or not, do it. Mm-hmm. Believe it and trust it. Because if you've picked the right person, they're not going to steer you wrong. And even if they do, like, because everybody's, nobody's perfect. And there's not, like, even for me, like, there's situations that are going to come up that I have no idea what to do. Like, I'm not a, I didn't (laughs) go, I went to seven weeks of general arts college. Like, I'm not an educated man. But because my intention is to help, I'm going to seek the Lord on your behalf. When you put somebody in that position in your life, God is going to speak through them because you've put them in that position. Mm. And you have to trust that you have to trust how spiritual authority works. And when you put somebody over top of you, they're going to get the wisdom of the Lord for you. I was uh, mentoring a young man for a little bit and like I got, like he was doing stuff that was not smart. It wasn't like evil. It just wasn't what God wanted. Yeah. And I kept getting this. This is what's going on here. This is what the enemy's trying to do. This is blah, blah, blah. This is blah, 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 blah. And he ended up not like listening to it. Mm. And so I told him, actually, it was, it was him that told me. He said, uh, I don't think that we should continue on in this mentor um, relationship mm. because I think it's going to hurt our relationship. Wow. Be- and I, I said, I totally agree. We're still friends to this day. Yeah. Um, but since that severing, then I don't get revelation on what is going on in this life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because I'm not in that position anymore. Because he he took me out of that position. Yeah. And so when you're in that position, you will get the strategies wow. because you're looking for them, and because that has been set up to you. So so as the person who like for me, I'm going to listen to whatever my mentors tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, between Scott and pastor, like I've had to do a lot of one eighties in my life Mm. that I didn't even know. Like I didn't see the wisdom in it at the time, Yeah. but because I knew them and I know how the integrity that they walk in and how they walk before God, Mm -hmm. I trusted them over myself, which is also something Paul said he didn't even trust his own conscience. So who am I to trust my conscience? If, if, the apostle Paul who wrote most of the new Testament can't trust his conscience. Yeah. Who am I to trust mine? I'm going to defer to people that I've put in my life that are more spiritual, more spiritually mature than me that have walked the roads that I've walked. And it's like, well, this is how, this is what this is going to lead to. Oh Mm. shoot. Well, I don't want to do that. So whether I see the wisdom in it or not, I'm going to submit to it. Mm. And I see the wisdom in it now, but at the time I didn't, I had to walk out in faith. My faith in God was reflected in my faith in my spiritual mentors. Mm. So if I don't believe them, yeah. am I believing God? Because I've put them in that position in my life. Wow. And so if you take that example, multiply that, how much would the kingdom advance if we put ourselves underneath a natural spiritual authority and submitted to them as though we were submitting to God? Hmm. Now, I know that's easier said than done because there's a lot of 
wounds that people have and you're also submitting to a natural person who might be wrong yeah like they my mentors haven't been right 100% of the time but me submitting to them was right 100% of the time Mm. they didn't ever ask me to do anything that wasn't biblical yeah but but we're all trying to hit the mark together yeah so it's not so even if they made a mistake and I missed an opportunity I would never hold it against them Mm -hmm. because if you submit the op- if you practice submitting and you are on the side of submitting, then the opportunity will come around again. But it's that act of if it you always have to err on the side of submitting to your spiritual authority, always. Mm-hmm. And if you don't trust your spiritual authority, then get some spiritual authority that you can trust. Yeah. And even if you even if they're not trustworthy people, but you submit to them as though you're submitting to God, God's going to bless it anyways. Like you're covered. Mm. John Bevere's book, Undercover. Like you're covered when you submit, regardless of the authority's character that you're submitting to. Really? Yeah. Mm. Because you're submitting to them like you're submitting to God. Mm. Because that way that takes the the human element out of it. Because you're submitting to God, even if the, even if your mentor's wrong, you're still covered under God's grace. You're not going to miss the mark. He's not going to be like, oh, well, I told you in the Bible to submit to authority. You did. But because you did, you missed this thing. And now I'm going to punish you. Like, that doesn't sound like a good God. That sounds super confusing. Yeah. So because God's good, I'm going to submit to my spiritual authority. Mm. So I guess that's the answer that I have. If you're looking to be discipled, submit to the person who's discipling you. Yeah. Mm. above your own, above what you think is right. Because if you were right, this is what I tell Warren all the time, dude, if you had all the answers already, then why would you be coming to me and asking me for help? Yeah. You know, or why is this the, the consequence of your actions? If you know all the answers already, the answer is you don't know all the answers. Yeah. You never will. Yeah. So. So talking about if it's all right. Yeah. Continuing. Okay. Yeah. I just don't want to cut you off. No, no, no. Um, so talking about like discipling and stuff like that, um, do you yourself have any, you could say surrogate sons uh, that you're pouring into? You don't have to mention any names if you don't feel like that's appropriate. But uh, Well, I don't see why I wouldn't mention any names. I mean, okay. it's nothing to be ashamed of. No, I know, but I, <laughs> I, I know, but it's just like, you know, it's a podcast and sometimes you can just. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I'm not a big, I, I don't know, maybe to my detriment. Like obviously there's, there's, things that you keep confidential but i don't feel the need to hide especially with discipleship yeah you know um because that's what we're called to do yeah if everybody discipled one person Mm. then that would double the kingdom of god you know um yeah i have well i have you for sure (laughs) unless you are didn't want me to say that no no it's you no. can edit that out no no i that's <laughs> no great. no edits yeah. this is all raw yeah it is listeners raw. um i used to have a few um but with covid it kind of stops that from yeah. happening you really see the strength of the culture that you had mm. pre-covid yeah um mind you for us we were all on the verge of burnout anyways so, um, COVID, you know, for all the crap that it, uh, it does, um, God definitely used it as a tool for us to reset, which was good. Yeah. I used to do it a little more 
because of the proximity that I was with people and the culture that I was in out and I was like there's a lot of people that I knew that were you know 10 15 years below me yeah that were looking for someone yeah um but I yeah I like I think it's important to have at least one but yeah. I think that if you have a father's heart it's not like you're ever shutting it off mm-hmm. because the biggest thing for me is integrity yeah so I am aware and plus like within the culture of the church I'm aware like because I'm on the worship team and I have a prominent role I'm aware that people are always watching me so I walk in that integrity because I'm aware that people are watching me mm-hmm. and I want them to watch me yeah. like I'm not that I'm like let me explain that I don't want them to watch me because I want them to say oh look that's Adam <laughs> I want them to watch me as the, as though I was following Christ. Yeah. So you can follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. Is the way that I want to live. Yeah. Um. And so, I always want to be that person. Yeah. So wherever I am, like there's community kids that'll come. My kids will start bringing friends over. Yeah. So. I'm a father to those kids. Yeah. You know, there's one kid that comes over here that Warren brings over whose dad doesn't even live in, like he lives with his grandpa. Yeah. So I'll, it doesn't, like I'm not that dense that I don't understand why God's bringing this kid over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but any kids that come over here, yeah. I will I will treat them as though, you know, they're, they're sons. Like I'll care about them. I'll ask them how they're doing. I'll ask yeah. them, you know, I, I don't just ignore them. Yeah. Um, so I, like, obviously, as you know, like discipleship is kind of a two way street. So I'm, I guess the, I'm always available and I'll always throw, I'll always cast nets out. Yeah. But as far as like people who want to, um, actually enter into discipleship, there's not too many right now that I know of. A lot of what I do is like for, you know, girls and boys my kids age that come over here yeah i will you know love them yeah and i'll show them love and stuff like that but it's obviously they're not capable of being like hey can you can you (laughs) mentor me (laughs) yeah 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 um so it's it's uh i will walk as that i will walk as a uh, father Mm -hmm. and whatever happens happens like mm-hmm. I'll never shut my door to somebody, yeah. which goes back to the most important thing that you can have as someone who's looking for for someone who to disciple you yeah. is to submit, mm-hmm. because you can come in. To, like I I know like for me, like there's some like when I mentor you, like when we have conversations about yeah. stuff, yeah, it's not so much that it like there's a little bit of practical in it, like with your leather business and stuff, yeah. like we talked about practical stuff, yeah. But a lot of it is just encouragement. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a lot of practical stuff. It's like spiritual practicality, yeah. you know, like don't do this this time when it's like a season of war, yeah. you know, stuff like yeah. that. But some other men that I've mentored, like when I mentored with, like with my mentor, Scott, yeah, like it was like three weeks before I got married. Mm. So there's a ton of practical stuff that he's 
been able to show me over the years because I went from being a single man to being married to buying a house to having three kids mm -hmm. and he's got done all those things yeah. so there's a lot of practical things with finances and with how you know my wife's driving me nuts blah 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 blah. well this is what you're this is what you need to do you know like this is how this is what your responsibility is as a man yeah. who's you know leading her and and married to her you have to treat her like this and this is why you have to forget about this and focus on this you know very practical things um there's only been a couple other people that we kind of started mentoring where i would talk about practical stuff but they wouldn't do any of the practical stuff yeah they would do the opposite no. and you know they're especially with like married dudes like some of their marriages didn't work out mm. You know? Yeah. So, like, when it's with you and I and it's encouraging stuff, like, you still have the onus to, as to whether you want to submit to the stuff that I'm saying or believe the stuff that I'm saying. Yeah. A lot of the times it can just be that you have to shift your mindset. Yeah. Um, but if you're, like, going to buy a house and I'm telling you that, you know, this isn't a good idea financially to do this right now. Yeah. You know, that's up to you whether you want to submit to that or yeah. not. And yeah. a lot of people don't want to submit to stuff. Yeah. For whatever reason. So I guess the thing is, is that I'm, um, I'm always willing to, I think that I always got to have, I'll always have my kids for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm just going to walk in that and people can grab what they want to grab. Yeah. And if, if anybody ever wanted to get into that kind of relationship, then I'm always willing to do that. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. So, what's the legacy? It's a big word. <laughs> I mean, it's weighty. What's the legacy you want to leave behind for your son specifically and his potential male children? Hmm. I know it's a big one. It is a big one. It is. I think you might want to edit some of this pause out because <laughs> it All seems right. like it's really long. <laughs> um, I definitely, you know, there's, I hate, I hate using words that are always being used because mm. they don't, they've been so like, they've been used so much that they're diluted. Yeah. But obviously, I want the legacy to be that of ones that are sold out for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And sold out for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Which, again, you don't know what that looks like. In four generations, you're not going to know yeah. what that looks like. Um, so I guess that would be it. But I think really, just based on what I've ranted about and what we're talking about, I think submitting to God yeah. and submitting to spiritual authority would be the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Because that if I look at big picture and small picture being like the Christians that I know mm -hmm. and the Christians, which would be the small picture yeah. and the Christians worldwide, I think that we're all very selfish mm. and I don't know that we actually are being selfish on purpose. Some of us are, but I think that if you were to look inside, especially in North America, you would see how selfish that we are. Mm. Our battle isn't with, 
with people killing us because yeah. of our persecution. Our battle is with being lukewarm. Mm. That will be our battle. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to turn to the point where they start killing Christians in the street while I'm alive. Probably not while my kids are alive. Yeah. Um, but our battles with lukewarm. Yeah. Like with lukewarm believers, myself included. Like yeah. I can look at areas where I'm lukewarm. I can look at areas that where I'm lukewarm now where two years ago I was red hot mm. because my culture shifted and I'm trying to navigate my way through it. Yeah. Um, but when you submit to, well, the Bible says to submit to one another, but when you submit to spiritual authority, you know, start with that. There's a part of you that has to die because you're not always going to agree because you don't see the same way that someone else has seen. Mm. And what is Christianity if it's not dying to self? Mm. You want to be set apart, die to self. Yeah. That's the basically the only thing. Like, there's a lot of other religions that tell you a, a whole bunch of stuff that's really good. Yeah. But there's not very many of them that basically say Jesus is so great that you can actually come to him and it'll be very, very painful. Die to yourself, but it's the way to eternal life. Yet we still do it mm. because Jesus is that great. Yeah. So um, dying to self, I guess, is the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing lacking in my life, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a huge thing with, with believers yeah. and with fathers. Like if mm. fathers would die to themselves, yeah, you know, like if your father, um, like your natural father, yeah, would die to himself enough to go to church because it's important to you, yeah, you know, and I'm not faulting him, yeah, at all, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like if if everybody died to themselves to the extent that Christ died to himself, mm -hmm. then I think that that would be world changing, so. I'm going to raise my son to be able to die to himself to protect and serve those around him. Mm -hmm. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. You know, even if it means that he goes as a missionary and gets killed by a tribe someday that, you know, like he has to wow. sacrifice his life that way. Yeah. Or I have to sacrifice my life that way. Yeah.